What if I told you that the key to profitability in your business is to think twice about who you hire? So much so that this one trick that we'll talk about today can result in over 30% more profitability overall. I'm Joey Price, and this is the Business Life & Coffee Podcast, the weekly podcast that makes you perform sharper, better, and healthier as a leader of people and teams. Connect with me online at HR. And check out past episodes on iTunes, Podbean, and other podcast outlets. Are you ready to learn the key to profitable hiring? Let's get right to it. What are the latest trends in recruiting? And is diversity really important when it comes to hiring new talent? I'm Joey Price, and joining me today is Kirsten Greggs, and she's here to explain all this and more. So first, let's get some background. Uh, Kirsten is a infamous, infamous, in a good way, uh, recruiter on social media. You've probably seen her on LinkedIn and Instagram and and some of the articles that she posts on her Trap Recruiter site. Uh, And we're going to just talk about some of the insight and information that you need to know to help you grow your business, whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or if you're listening and while you're walking the dog and uh, you want to bring some things back to your office to help with uh, growing your business. So, hey, without further ado, Kirsten, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me, Joey. And I apologize for breaking in and interrupting you early on. I didn't realize that you were uh, that you were starting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all good. It's all good. And a fun fun fact about uh, Kirsten that relates to coffee is that uh, she. She will generally post our favorite uh, large coffee company and how they typically spell her name wrong. So I always get a kick out of I get a kick out of that. It's one of my all time favorite things to do. I'm actually sad on days when they do not ask me for my name or um, when they actually spell it correctly, Um, which has only happened, I uh, believe, one time that I can remember, and it was a Friday the 13th, and the person didn't ask, but they saw <laughs> my name correctly. Well, were you local there, and they just happened to know you? Um, well, I used, when I was going to work, because I have been um, an, an entrepreneur working for myself for the past year, but when I was going to work, I went to the same drive through every day, so I had um, my special baristas i have it i used to have about three that i would see every morning um yeah depending on which which uh starbucks i had time to to go to so um they of course don't ask your name in the drive-thru but they would know me um and then there are some that know my name so they don't ask and they just write it anyway that they that they want to and when i do switch it up they look confused and then when they call (laughs) my name I get confused because I don't remember <laughs> what that's going on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, really? You guys forgot about me. And they're like, drink is right there. And I'm like, oh, it says something else today. Yeah, I, I think a good idea, hey, Starbucks, if you're listening, when you're recruiting new baristas, part of the hiring process should be uh, not only a spelling test, but a listening test as well to see how well people can listen to what they're being told and accurately write that on a cup. I know you guys type it now, but you know, how well do you listen to what people are saying? Because it's kind of funny to see your uh, your post, Kirsten. Oh, (laughs) I think that there are actually people who they may not always engage or interact with me, but I know for certain there are people 
who like really do, as you said, look forward to it because I've made such a big deal about it for the past few years. Like it's just, it started out as, as a game, but now it's just, it's expected. I'm like, what's my name going to be today? Or how are they going to spell it? <laughs> oh man. Well, for our listening audience uh, that want to actually connect with you online, could you do us the awesome uh, pleasure of spelling your name so that folks can, uh, yeah. can, can connect <laughs> with you online? Yes, you can find me on on LinkedIn at Kirsten A. Greggs, K-E-I-R-S-T-E-N. Last name is Greggs, G-R-E-G-G-S. On Twitter uh, at Track Recruiter, and there is an at Kirsten Greggs as well. Um, It's not as active as it should be. Uh, because I have been using my personal account more often, but I won't give that out so that I don't confuse folks. Ah. Uh, also on Instagram, um, you can find me at, at Trap Recruiter and at Kirsten Gregg, K again, K-E-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-R-E-G-G-S. And Facebook is the same, at Trap Recruiter and at Kirsten Gregg. So, Kirsten, you are a senior talent acquisition consultant, career coach, blogger, diversity advocate, and you also created the hashtag recruiter problems meme machine. Um, <laughs> what what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the talent acquisition space? Is it, let's start with the fundamental question. Is it really as hard as people say it is to find top talent these days? You know, I think the issue is that a lot of times, and, and not just for the job seeker, Uh, but also for HR professionals in general, I think sometimes we have a tendency to minimize and diminish the true value of talent acquisition and what and and how we are really adding value to organizations. So yes, it is hard to find talent. It is there. Um, There are always going to be differentiators. There are always going to be, um, roadblocks um, for me coming from the defense and intelligence um, market, obviously, you know, full scope poly clearances um, created a, uh, an issue for me in, in first of all, finding diverse talent because, you know, with already a small talent pool, you know, being able to have uh, persons of color or even um, senior level uh, women was, was an issue um, given the added um, differentiator of the clearance depending on the level. So I do think there there is a problem uh, when it comes to talent. I don't think that talent um, or job seekers really know how to market themselves, how to brand themselves, how to interact with and engage with recruiters. And I think that recruiters have gotten lazy um, and have not fully used the tools that are uh, available to them to enhance their um, their job search to en- to enhance their uh, finding good talent. Um, they kind of use it as a crutch and do the bare minimum and use technology as an excuse when something doesn't go right. Yeah, that, that's a great point about uh, using technology as, as a crutch. I also I often feel like so so when I'm talking about HR and the use of technology. Um, I often give the analogy of it, it, if you want to lose weight, it's it's like using a treadmill. Sure, you know this 
nice technology, software, cloud, computing, application, app, whatever, in and of itself is a useful tool. But if you don't know how to use it, and if you're not committed to using it to the full extent, then you're going to have problems. I mean, it doesn't matter how great the tool is. It's all about the person using it. Absolutely. And again, we have, or in my experience, I should say, I, I, I would think that it may be different in, in other industries, but I've worked, again, for some of the larger uh, and most well-known defense contractors. So I can say this with, with uh, full certainty, that there is a, um, a tendency to have someone who doesn't actually have to engage with and work within these systems that we're going to be using tell us um, and choose them for us. So all we end up getting is a how-to. We don't get a why, you know, and that um, hinders uh, our ability to, to work well. Um, one of the reasons why I moved away from full life cycle recruiting, meaning, you know, running a desk or, you know, my primary goals to fill positions for my hiring managers, for my customer base, um, into operations where I was leaning more towards the systems, more towards technology, more towards like, this is the way a recruiter thinks and this is how we can help them be more effective. This is how we can help them, you know, close close gaps and um, reduce their time to fill, spend less money, um, be more engaging, um, you know, promote your brand in a way that says, you know, we're the premier, we're the premier um, employer, have people actually come to us instead of us always throwing out bait or posting and praying and those type of, you know, fruitless activities that recruiters find themselves doing far too often. Wow, that's interesting because I remember in the I, say the, I say the early days of Twitter, but the, the early days of the HR community on Twitter and we had folks like, uh, like, like Lars and Jessica Lee and uh, we, we were all discussing the idea of talent communities and building talent pools. But what you're saying is that even though that idea has been out there for a long time, uh, larger corporations aren't even um, adopting that type of model where people are being drawn into them. Uh, no, some, some of them aren't. I can't say that all of them, but I mean, obviously, if you're in a technology company, which a lot of us um, for, again, defense contractors claim to be, you know, we say we're engineering companies. We say that we're a cyber company. We're on the cutting edge. But, you know, our recruiters don't even have LinkedIn accounts or they're sharing them. Or they don't, um, they don't know how to do anything really, but go on a job board. And honestly, if you are a, you know, recruiter with a certain number of years of experience, and you rely on a job board to find candidates, then you have already lost. You're behind. Wow, you've already lost. That's powerful. So a trend that you're seeing is a failure to uh, embrace technology in the way that is most beneficial for employers. And most beneficial yes. for the end result of hiring great talent. Mm -hmm. I know there was one time that I was training on a new ATF. Um, this was years ago. I had gone, you know, to all the trainer trainer classes. You know, we learned how to do it, and the director said, "Hey, you know, you go out here, you you teach the recruiters how to use this." So I wrote the training, I delivered the training, and before I did that. You know, I invited the managers, the hiring managers, the team leads to sit on the training so that we could develop, you know, the, the testing modules and the um, 
the assessment modules from the training to make sure that it was effective, you know. And I invited the director and that person said that they were not even interested in coming. Like they didn't even care to learn how to use the system. That's interesting. I mean, it's beyond interesting. It's mind boggling. How? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see that a lot. And then that's where you get, you know, the excuses that, oh, well, it doesn't work or we can't do it this way or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, So um, Let's let's bring this down a level because a, a lot of our listeners are going to be either um, they're leading a, a small business or they're entrepreneurs, and when when I hear you discussing these challenges that larger organizations are facing, where they may have more resources, they have the ability to acquire these tools, um, these larger enterprise skill tools. Uh, if I'm listening as a as a small business owner, which I am, but if I'm listening as a small business owner and I'm like, wow, I hear that these larger companies are struggling with uh, acquiring talent because they are not utilizing their systems effectively. I think that's a huge game changer as a small business owner to say, OK, if I want my team to do it right. I just need to listen to what Kirsten's saying and do the opposite of what the big guys are doing. And I think that uh, that could be a huge game changer. I think it already is um, because I do see these. I mean, I, I can just look at my peers, folks that started with me. You know, I started almost 18 years ago and there were folks that, you know, 20, 25 years in who, you know, mentored or trained me, you know, and, and gave me the, the drive and the passion for recruiting that I have who, you know, left these organizations and became small business owners and they know the issues and they know how to do things different. So I do think that there are a lot of folks out there that are taking a more intimate approach that are going back to, you know, true, again, engagement and getting from behind the technology. I am not, I am an advocate for technology. We need it. I love it. You know, the cutting edge stuff, like anytime someone shows me a new product, a new program that, you know, can make a, a better uh, flow chart or, uh, you know, yeah. that can make better table. I'm like, ooh, this is wonderful. Anything that can analyze data for me, you know, outside of an Excel spreadsheet, like I'm having a party, please buy it for me for Christmas. <laughs> but um, I think that, like I said, the, the folks that are coming out of those places, they know that. And I think they are imparting, imparting that knowledge to other small business owners. I mean, what I, what the big issue is in these larger organizations is that, yeah, while, while they have the money, while they have more people, um, while they have more resources, most of it is spent on waste. It's wasted. Mm. Wow. So a competitive advantage for an entrepreneur is to eliminate the waste and focus on the things that are effective. Absolutely. And when, like I said, when you have limited resources, when you have limited people, when you have limited budget, like you kind of have no choice. And I think that's I think that's great for someone in this field. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're joined by Kirsten Greggs. For those of you all that are just picking up the podcast, uh, either from you were in the car or just, you know, picking it up on the road. Kirsten, I want to share some stats as we pivot to the conversation about diversity. Um, We talk about gender diversity, ethnic diversity, something that really stood out to me. There's a blog on clearcompany.com's website. And the one thing that grabbed my attention was that when there are 
when teams where men and women are equal earners, there's 41% more revenue. Wow. What are your initial thoughts on that? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's extremely impactful. Um, But how many organizations really have men and women that are equal earners? That's a great question. I would think it's safe to say that less than 50% are equal work, equal pay organizations. I think that'd be a fair, fair guess. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, that, that number of 41%, like that's, that's phenomenal. And that is, if that doesn't tell you that diversity works, then I don't know what can. Because <laughs> right. companies, companies look at the bottom line. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I brought some interns in to talk to <laughs> one of my business leaders, and they asked the question, you know, and I thought I had prepared them for everything. I'm like, you know, know the company, ask these questions, do this, you know. And so someone, so they, they asked him, or he asked them, so why are we in business? And they gave all, everything from the mission statement to the values to, you know, everything that was on the website, everything that I had, you know, imparted to them. And he told them they were wrong. He said, no, we're here to make money. <laughs> That's true. And, and at the end of the day, it is that simple. So if your revenue is up 41% because you are hiring more women and you're, and you're paying them the same, or you're hiring more men, um, or you're hiring more uh, persons of color, and paying them the same and your revenue goes up, then then why won't you why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. I mean if if I'm and if I were to think about being a woman who shows up to work and I know that my pay is equal to my peer, then I'm gonna wanna be even more competitive with my peer because I wanna make more than my, my male counterpart because I'm gonna be hustling to make that money. So uh I I think this is the right thing to do where create a a level playing field for both males and females in your organization and remove the remove gender as a barrier and make it about uh, the performance that that each person is doing. And um, what are are your thoughts on that? We're very I think, again, depending on the size of the organization and depending on how forward thinking their leaders are, um, we're we're still, you know, in my opinion, too far off from performance-based um, pay, performance-based accolades, performance-based promotions, and all of those things. I mean, honestly, one of the worst parts of the year for me was, you know, review time because it was it was stupid. Like there was no point. So, if we're so far off from performance-based uh, compensation. Why is it still the talk of the town in a lot of our um, big blogs and industry articles? Why, why is that still, you know, the, the guide? Like, why is that still the goal? Why is that the end goal if, if we're still so far away? Well, it should be the end goal. And, and you just gave me data to support it. Um, so <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, we talk about a lot of things. We just don't practice them. Mm-hmm. I've got another one for you. Okay. Bilingual employees earn 10% more revenue. So what that says to me is that 
if I have someone on my workforce that can engage with customers across uh, many different demographics, whether uh, those two languages are English and Spanish or English and French, English and ASL even, uh, oh. you're going to be able to reach more customers. And why, as a business owner, would I not want to reach more customers if, like you said, businesses are in business to make money? I, again, I'm not going to argue with you. And <laughs> more businesses need to be listening to your podcast right now and need to be thinking about these numbers and then going back to, and, and more HR people need to be going back to their businesses with the numbers. I mean, at the that's what they want to see. Like we come in, we, we go to these conferences, you know, we get fired up because someone talked about this, 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 and this, but then we don't take the, that data back. We don't take the, the, the proof <laughs> that yeah, these things yeah. work back to our organizations, you know, we just ride high for a few months off of the, um, you know, the thrill of it all. I, I it, It's like kind of like, um, mom, forgive me, but, you know, when you go to church and, <laughs> and you know, you're, you know, the, the music's good and the vibe is there, folks are, you know, are praising God. And then you get home and you're like, wait a minute, what was the sermon about? <laughs> You've already forgot. <laughs> I already forgot because once I, you know, the, the thrill was gone. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think that's true. Um, what do you think about when people are, when, for example, you leave an HR conference, you've downloaded a whole bunch of information and you present it to your, your supervisor or you present it to your CEO and then it just falls on deaf ears. Do you think that happens often? I do. And I can speak from personal experience. Like I've written again, I've, you know, I write a white paper, you know, when white papers first started to be really popular. Yeah. And, you know, they pay all this money to send us away. And, and at some point, I think I can always speak for myself. I think they were sending me away because I was causing too many problems. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yes. Oh, there's a conference. Go. How many days will you be gone? Enjoy yourself. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, we can relax. Kirsten's not here. <laughs> Kirsten's not here bothering us. Yes. So I know. I do think that, um, you know, we bring it back. We give them the information. And I think it falls on deaf ears because, again, they maybe they just maybe we're not giving them the right data. Maybe we don't know what their pain point is, or maybe we are not really communicating our pain point in a way that they can understand. Yeah. Well, I, I think the bottom line of it though, is in being a, you're in, in talent acquisition and, and we're talking about these numbers and I'm a, uh, you know, a, a business owner in the HR space, but we see these challenges that relate to people as challenges that actually impact the bottom line. And mm -hmm. so the stats we're, we're throwing out here about equal teams being having 41% more revenue and, and bilingual employees earning 10% more revenue, these are things that will get executives' attention. So maybe, yeah, like you said, we're, we're, not, we're not framing the argument in a way that, that actually gets a CEO's attention. Mm -hmm. I, I, got another, I got another stat for you. Um, a study by Harvard and Princeton found that blind auditions, so blind auditions, as you know, but for our, our listeners, blind auditions are, are when you're only looking at the, the skills and history of, a, of an applicant and not their name or any kind of uh, clues about their background. So Harvard and Princeton found that blind auditions increased the likelihood that a woman would be hired by between 25 
and 46%. So almost double. So that, that speaks to the bias that we often have of, uh, you know, having a, a woman's name on a resume, but having similar skills of a man. But if you eliminate the, the name from it, women are actually being hired more. Yes. Now, this, this touches on something that, that, that's very dear to me. So when I think about diversity, um, obviously, well, not maybe not obviously, but I am a woman, but I'm also African-American. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times our diversity efforts focus more on the woman part of me than the person of color part of me. Yeah. And yes, it is. I don't want to I don't want to diminish this, but, you know, yes, it's 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 easier to take a woman's name off of something and, you know, not know if it's a man or a woman, um, because on a resume, you really aren't, you know, like, I don't think that most recruiters or most hiring managers are skilled enough in the psychology of how women and men communicate in writing. (laughs) So (laughs) that won't be an issue. But, you know, if you looked at my school and I went to University of Maryland, and someone else went to Howard, you already know. Yeah. You or do. you can assume. Or you, can assume. You, can, you, can you can assume. You can assume. You can assume. Because I right. did. I was at. I was at Morgan State. I. Uh, I did. I spoke for like a career development thing, and there were some uh, some Caucasian brothers and sisters in the audience. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's an assumption, but it won't always be the the right one. It is, <laughs> and for me, I think I think diversity should be deliberate. And I don't think we should hide behind it. There was um, an African-American young lady that created a a tool, and I cannot remember her name, and I wish I had a moment to look it up. She created a tool that would scrub off, um, you know, your demographics off of your resume, like all of them. And I know that we we had discussed it on our Women's History Month um, podcast on, on CIC when we were doing that or when I was part of that team. And I was the only one that was against it because I think, again, that diversity should be deliberate. I think we should be going into those places. We should be going to the Morgan States. We should be going to the Howard Universities. We should be going to the Florida A&M and the North Carolina A&Ts and looking for talent. And we should be going, you know, to um, SWE conferences, uh, you know, Society of Women Engineers. We should be going to Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Uh, We should be doing all of these things, you know, going to these organizations and going to their conferences and really, really, you know, being deliberate in trying to bring them into our organizations. Because like you already mentioned, you know, you only talked about gender, you know, creating 41 percent more uh, revenue. Imagine if you, you know, had more diversity in terms of uh, persons of color, disability, uh, sexual orientation, um, you know, their their abilities, whatever the case may be. Imagine you had that. Imagine how much more your revenue could be. I actually have a stat. I we I oh. knew we were I, I knew we were building up to this. So okay. yeah, I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna disappoint. So uh, there's a Forbes article. And there's a there's a like circle pie chart here. So uh, gender diverse companies are 15 percent more likely to outperform. But ethnic ethnically diverse companies are 35 percent more likely to outperform. 
So wow. we just elevated the conversation from, of course, we talked about the benefits of gender diversity and uh, by being bilingual. But when you have ethnic, ethnic diversity, your teams have a 20% greater chance of outperforming uh, against their peers. That's huge. So, you know, if I'm a business owner, I'm definitely following your lead about making diversity in intentional because it's mm -hmm. going to be a win-win for my business. It is. And, and I understand, again, from a human resources standpoint, where the, appara, where the apprehension is um, because, you know, human, human resources is there to protect the company. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't think it's the job seeker's responsibility to make organizations, you know, to, to, to not have organizations discriminate against them. I agree. It's not, we've made it, and, and our laws and all the things that we have said and put our, like, we've made it so that it's the job seeker's responsibility not to be discriminated against instead of it being the, the folks that are responsible for doing the hiring. It's their responsibility not to do that. So when you have things like, okay, why can't my company hire um, diverse talent? Well, because you don't have any. <laughs> it's the chicken and the egg conversation. Right. And, and then, you know, we'll put up, you know, we HR people will say, well, we can't do that if there's a like me bias. That, that's a like me bias. Well, maybe. But at the end of the day, you know, someone like me knows someone like me. Yeah, and most jobs are filled through referrals. So, uh, better yet, not only are most jobs filled through referrals, but most uh, people that stay on jobs are typically mm -hmm. referred versus coming through a job board or uh, a resume yeah. off the street. So, yeah, there's kind of like a, 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 a breakdown there between, oh, we don't want like me bias, but the people that stay on the longest are the ones that know somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think, and I, and that was one of them, I think, like how did we, we were talking about, you know, successful diversity recruiting, um, employee referrals is one of those ways to do it. Uh, but, but, but again, you already, you have to have some diverse talent in your organization, um, to, mm -hmm. to make that effective. Yeah. And yeah, let's go down that path of, of some things that we can do to make diversity, uh, intentional and, and actually in, increase our efforts there. One of the things that I think about, um, and I especially think about Silicon Valley, is when you when you start to recruit diverse professionals, you you do have to look within your organization, but you also have to look at your community, and mm -hmm. you've got to say, okay, is there a place for um, my people to attend their religious services? Uh, is there a place? you know, for for Joey to go get a haircut because he may not get a haircut at, at Great Clips or Sport Clips or something like that. Um, right. Are there um, meaningful communities within that area that uh, a Kirsten can, can develop bonds with? So a part of the recruiting strategy should be not just internally, but what does your community landscape look like and what can you do to influence that? Absolutely. Um, in, in one of the last organizations I worked in, there was a, an effort uh, put in that, you know, the company wanted to look like the area where, you know, its employees were. 
and we had offices all over the world actually so um you know you do have to do that because people do want to get into a place people want to have a safe space and you know it's it really is human nature to you know first and foremost um attach yourself or to, or try to develop a relationship with someone that is like you um or that you perceive to be like you before you go and try and you know the, the harder sell of getting someone that appears to be the opposite of you right right i mean just on a practical level if you walk into a party the first thing you're going to do is try to find somebody that that you think you can bond with. Uh, I'm, right. spe- I'm speaking as an introvert here, though. I don't know. Extroverts might be like, hey, what's up, stranger? <laughs> Strangely enough, I am I am a recruiter, so I uh, project extrovert, but I am actually an, an introvert. Like, I prefer my, my own space. Um, when I was working outside of the home um, and I had to go in an office every day, you know, I needed time. You know, when I came home, like to not speak, to not do anything because I had, you know, been around people all day yeah. um, and I preferred my alone time. So I, I get I got you. I'm, I am I am introverted um, in social settings um, as well. Awesome. Well, Kirsten Greggs, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And I know we'll chat online as always. But uh, where can our listeners go if they want to learn more about your insights, follow your blog? and possibly reach out to you as a career coach or a diversity advocate? Yes, again, please reach out to me um, on LinkedIn. Um, at my uh, name is, again, Kirsten Greggs. Uh, please spell it um, in the non-large uh, coffee company way, <laughs> K-E-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-R-E-G-G-S. Um, you can reach out to me via my website, kgregs.com. Um, there is a contact space there uh, where my email is info at kgregs.com and my blog, um, which you can get to from my website or directly um, is at TRAP, T-R-A-P, recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com. All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you please leave a five review, five star review on iTunes? And if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover in entrepreneurship, life, coffee, tea, anything that uh, would add value to your life uh, from a business or life standpoint, why don't you send me a tweet at Joey V Price HR or send me an email at Joey, actually that's jprice at jumpstart-hr.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your day. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.